Happy Monday, Liberty Kitty Cats. And before we get into today's episode, I need to tell you about our friends at Lauren Zotti Italy. These guys are not only great coffee connoisseurs and entrepreneurs, they're also libertarians. They're also listeners of this show. They are also Patreon supporters of this show. So they are the kind of person that you want to support. So if you are a coffee drinker, please do head over to laurenzotti.coffee. That's laurenzotti.coffee, not .com. Use discount code LIONS at checkout for 10% off your order. And what's great about these guys, they don't just sell coffee. They also help people set up their own coffee shops. They have financing. Uh, They can rent equipment. They do so much to not only provide coffee for people, but also to help set up other people as entrepreneurs in that same space. What an awesome concept. So please do head over to Lauren Zotti, L-O-R-E-N-Z-O-T-T-I, laurenzotti.coffee. And don't forget to use discount code LIONS for 10% off your order. My guest today is making his second appearance on this program. He is the founder and executive director of Crowdfunded Government, and he's here to make a big announcement today. I am very pleased to welcome uh, the oh-so-smoothly-pseudonymed Theodore Quinoa. Theodore, are you ready to roar? Mark, let's roar again, baby. All right. All right. I'm very excited, Theodore, not just because you have a big announcement to come make and, and push here on this program, but also because since the last time we spoke, you have adopted a last name of your pseudonym. So uh, what's up with that? Well, every... Because your, your real name is not Theodore either, right? <laughs> no, that that's actually the problem is I am Theodore. Oh, you, okay. Your real first name is Theodore. Gotcha. Yeah. I never thought this all the way through that eventually people might track you down and find out where you live and where you work. So... I, I guess, good thing I didn't give the last name, but uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Pete Quinones. I decided to uh, throw quinoa on the end of Theodore. Inspiration abounds in the podcasting circles, that's for sure. Absolutely. I think it's the highest form of respect I could show. So, Theodore, you hit me up a few weeks ago. You said you had a big announcement to make. Uh, you didn't want to tell me what it was at the time, so we kind of kept things low-key, and I wanted to go into this with sort of just an open mind. Uh, but before we get to that, just in case anybody has not heard your first interview on the show, show where you uh, you really broke down the concept of what you created, this idea of crowdfunded government, uh, before we get into your new idea, why don't you just give us the kind of brief recap, the elevator speech version, if you will, of what crowdfunded government is why this is something you're pushing forward, and I will let people know they can go ahead and listen to the full version of that interview that we did last year on the subject by uh, listening to, let's see, Lions of Liberty episode 411, which you can find at lionsofliberty.com slash 411. Theodore, the floor is yours. First of all, that was episode 411 because this is the information. That was the information, right? Exactly. So, yeah, that, that was that was a great discussion almost exactly a year ago. It's literally, as as we record this, I'm actually looking at the date. It will air. It won't air a year apart, but the day we're recording this is actually one year ago from the day it, it did air last time. So that's an interesting little... Wow, and it, it's amazing how much, how much things have stayed the same and things have changed. So 
the same, the saying the same stuff is exactly what we talked about in episode 411. The fundamentals of crowdfunded governments, I'm a believer that taxation is theft, extortion, robbery, and that all government programs should be voluntarily crowdfunded. And if you think that's interesting, episode 411 goes real deep. And by the way, episode 411 was huge for me. I have a little tracker on my, on my blog to, you know, see how many people click on crowdfundedgovernment.com. And as soon as yours aired, I can always look at the chart, you know, and figure out exactly when that was because right. holy moly, got a, got a bunch of clicks, bunch of new followers. So I really love the, uh, the lion, uh, the, the pride, I suppose. Right. Yes. Well, technically the pride of the people that pay us on Patreon, but really it's the greater group. It's all of you out there that, of course, are part of our, our larger pride. <laughs> yeah, even the free pride. But you can join the real pride by heading over to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. Okay, back to you. And absolutely, strongly recommended, obviously, a wonderful uh, network of shows. And uh, that one was no exception. So that's a great deep dive into the ifs, ands, or buts. So don't worry, Mark. I'm not here to tell you that we need to start using taxes. I'm not here to start telling you that, well, I guess somebody else knows how to spend your money better than you do. No. I am here with a major change to crowdfunded government on the political side. So your, your actual end goal has not changed. You have not changed your philosophy towards government. Uh, you are not calling for forcefully, forcefully funded government now or anything like that. Those, those, you're you're no. uh, assuaging those fears off the bat. Absolutely. So I'm still advocating liberty. I still believe that you know best what to do with your money. So don't worry about that. The major change has come about because I've been looking at the political landscape. I've been doing this for almost five years, pushing this idea. And it's reached a point where I think I need to start getting a little bit political. Scary. That's when things that's when things get messy, you know. I know, and that's the crazy part about crowdfunded government is one of the fundamental beliefs that I have is that crowdfunded government should be neutral in terms of politics. So basically, no matter what program you support, as long as you're democratically elected and the money to support that politician's programs are being voluntarily crowdfunded, who am I to tell anybody or any organization, any groups of people what they should do with their money? So I, it's always been a nonpartisan, apolitical approach, if that makes sense. Right, yeah. You've always been very clear about, I mean, I don't know, I think you're a libertarian with the things that you say, but you're, you're very clear about this is, not a, this is not a political project in terms of the way you're trying to do things. You're just trying to bring the power to the people themselves to do government however they want in their own way, as long as they're not forcing it on others, which, again, like I said, sounds pretty libertarian, Theo. <laughs> Well, but that being said, if, if people want to violate the NAP or if people want to have crazy extermination programs, that's the thing where, like, I guess, even though morally, as you can tell, I'm a liberty-loving individual, I would have my opinions. But as a representative of a government, I have to say, like you said, you just got to let people do what they want and run their lives the way that they want with their money. Exactly. Although I, I might oppose the crowdfunded concentration camp myself, but, you know, what do you think? <laughs> well, that's, you know, every Godwin's law, every discussion always goes that direction. So I always just get it out of the way now. That's why I just got, that was my theory. I just, let's, let's bring him up now. <laughs> so, no, I'm not. Push him to the side. I, I am on. not a personal fan, but I'm also not representing myself. I'm trying to represent an organization that has very distinct views. So. I have started to look at things through a political lens, and I found some very interesting observations, if you'd like to think along with me for a second. I would like to do that. Let's do this together. All right. So the first one is in regards to the differences between the types of people and which political parties they lean towards. So 
the first thing I'll say is uh, pretty much nothing I have to, to say today has to do with anarchy or agorism, even though I'm really starting to get into the two philosophies and I'm really starting to enjoy dialogue about if, you know, if there ever was a collapse or how can you get the government off your back in your personal life. Uh, there are a lot of great um, agorists and anarchists that can speak a lot more about that kind of stuff. So today's discussion about politics is just assuming that you're into the party system, right? You believe in electoral politics and change through legal political persuasion. Okay, so you're not necessarily speaking to the people that have already decided they just they are not interested in the political process. They find it a waste of time. They find it, you know, just not something they want to do. And you know, you want them to listen and hear your ideas, but you're not really. This is not you're not necessarily trying to persuade them to get involved in politics. Yeah, and and that's you know, I always hoped that crowdfunding government might appeal to some people who feel very disillusioned by electoral politics because basically by spending your own money, you're you have a final vote. So not only are you voting for that politician, but you're only going to give your money to that politician if they convince you that their projects and programs are important. So I just wanted to set the stage by saying I know that there's a large segment of people who don't buy into the red, blue, green, um, all the different colors of the, of the rainbow of political parties. But that's the discussion I wanted to have with you, especially because you are so knowledgeable of many of the movers and shakers in the largest third party. Let's oh, don't flatter me. <laughs> Let's quickly just review what I think I've... I've shaken a hand or two back when that was allowed. Oh, yeah. No more of that, man. No more of that. Not even fist bumps. I do the elbow with my friends that are that are paranoid. I mean, I, I'm willing to do hugs, but, you know, not, not everybody is still. You know, it's funny you should mention that, Mark. I make fun of people who do the elbows because where do you cough? <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, so I guess I, uh... we're, all, we're all just going <laughs> to wave to each other and your, your future political arrangements... And discussions will have to start with just a friendly wave instead of a hearty handshake or a hug, unfortunately. I'll just tweet to my friends. It's easier. <laughs> so to my, to my first idea I want you to consider is that I believe that there's a different variety of people that are attracted to different political parties. And specifically, I think I've noticed a very interesting division between the types of people who are either Republican or Democrat, you know, your traditional red-blue party politics, and then you have a different type in general, of course, you know, anytime I you always got to put the qualifier, right? I know there's exceptions. I know there's differences, but I'm just trying to make a generalized statement if that's okay. If you won't, if you won't crucify me for it. I will not crucify you. That's, uh, that's not what I do. <laughs> in general, I've noticed a big difference in the way that people who follow traditional red-blue politics, their philosophy, their approach, always in general seems to be less nuanced and less, um, less particular, less uh, based on philosophy than people who choose to join a third party. So whether it's your libertarian, your green, your reform, your constitution, I find that the political IQ, if that makes any sense, how informed the people are, I think people who go towards third parties are much more informed about their political beliefs. What are your thoughts on that? I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, Besides some very maybe diehard Republicans and Democrats who really follow the the inner goings of their parties, most people I know who are Democrats and Republicans 
are just Democrats and Republicans, and they just are for whatever reason. Maybe there's a legitimate reason. Maybe they do have a strong philosophical belief in, say, smaller government or progressive government or what have you. But a lot of time, it's just the team that they're on. It's just kind of how they've been raised. They're not necessarily philosophical advocates of anything, per se. It's just kind of, you know, either they were raised a certain way or they live in a certain place, you know, a certain geographic area where most people believe that way. Uh, for most people, I think the political process is more passive. And there's obviously a subsection of those people that are involved at some level that are the passionate ones that are the uh, that are the sort of philosophical ones that are the informed ones as you might say but when it comes to third parties the third parties are never going to have the people that are just going along to get along it's never going to have the people that just happen to have a political team uh, the people that were raised I guess once in a while you find someone who's raised libertarian but they're pretty darn rare uh, but even if outside of libertarians I mean I'm quite certain that the people in the Green Party are far more informed about the inner workings of the government and there's a reason that they are in the Green Party not in the Democratic Party it's because they have found so much corruption in that party that is supposed to stand for what they believe that they're informed enough to see that it doesn't you know, that it doesn't work for them that way. And I guess I'm kind of making a certain argument for one, one side of things here. Uh, but but that's kind of my thoughts. I, have, I think we both agree on the fact that they're definitely more informed for the most part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you hit on all the major points. You got the fact that you're almost never born into it. You have to learn about it. You have to research it. You have to find out. And then you have to put up with the scrutiny of people who are like, you're a what? You believe in what? What <laughs> right. is that Republican or Democrat? What is that? Right, exactly. And then you have to do the whole, well, no, it's not that. It's actually something else. You have to go either try to sort of explain it in layman's terms or bring them down some windy philosophical road and try to explain what individual rights are and try to explain the non-aggression principle. And either way, it's pretty easy to lose people. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't do the, the Gary Johnson, uh, you know, Republican on economics and uh, democratic on social issues, right? Because that would be the... Anything with that. Anything with that, <laughs> that would please. be the worst way you could possibly describe uh, that particular philosophy. So, yeah, so that, that's, that's pretty much been my understanding. And in general, it seems to be true to me that people who take the time to learn about third parties, advocate for them, run for office, and uh, ultimately govern as libertarian, green, reform constitution, in general, political IQ or interest in the philosophy behind the idea is much more prevalent than traditional red blue yep i think you're spot on okay so that's i'm glad we, i'm glad we can agree on that although i'm not surprised given um given your background um because you know these people just like i do and i'm, I'm impressed by the intelligence of so many of them so you didn't think i was going to say man these third party people I, I thought they were smart and then i started talking to them <laughs> interviewing them meeting them and now i just don't know what to think <laughs> i <laughs> Yeah, well, sometimes on Twitter, you do wonder if some of these people have ever actually know what libertarian is. They have libertarian in their profile, but it's like, do you actually know what that is? But all right, them, them aside, uh, in general, we are, we are on the same page in regards to that. Now, that's, that's something that I've noticed, and it's definitely a political opinion, so I apologize for having it. I know that doesn't make me truly nonpartisan apolitical to say that. Um, but now I'd like to take a look at the landscape of electoral politics. Because okay. this, is, this is where the rubber hits the road with that original idea in regards to the in political intelligence of people who support third parties. So we're going to take that and look at the traditional party system, the traditional political process. And if you just had to guess, Mark, just feel free to give me a number because I have a number. I don't have the research. I just, I'm just going with my gut. You know, I'm going with like the, you know, this is what I think. But in general, you take an elected office that has a partisanship, either an R, D, L, I. Uh, basically, it's a political office that you run for and you identify yourself as one of the parties. So basically, 
if you take all of those political offices across the country where there is a partisan identification, what percent of people do you think are either Republican or Democrat when they win office? I would probably say, well, there's probably a lot of nonpartisan offices, so maybe I don't know if you're including those or not. But I, no, I would... I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to skip those, like the the judgeships gotcha. and the the nonpartisan stuff, because that uh, that complicates a little bit the the discussion that I'm trying to have. So let's just stick with on the uh, on your ballot. It either says R D L I next to the person's name. Right, I, and you're talking about the percentage of those people that actually are in the elected office. I would probably say 98 percent. That's yeah, like, I, I guess. I mean, almost all of them. Yeah, when when I was just kind of spitballing the idea, thought in my head, I was thinking 98, 99%. It just seems like it's very uh, skewed. The political system, as I've discussed many times and definitely won't rant about here, but definitely seems like that there the system is rigged in favor of red or blue candidates, whether it's the process of fundraising, whether it's the process of debating and excluding third-party candidates, it seems like there is a huge advantage that is held, regardless of the actual percentage of the electorate, what they want to vote for. It seems like about 90-something percent of the time, they're getting Republican or Democrat in office. That uh, we also agree on. I think that's pretty pretty evident. Okay, well... Uh, and the system is so rigged to that effect, uh, not only just the electoral system itself, where third parties have to spend most of their time just uh, you know petitioning, trying to get ballot access, putting most of their money into just petitioning, getting on ballots. Uh, so much effort goes into just being involved, just having even a, an attempt to get a vote, an attempt to be have a seat at the table, uh, that by the time it actually comes down to that stuff, most of the funds and most of the resources and most of the time of all the activists have been nearly exhausted. And that's really because of the control that they have on the system, uh, because of the way they rig that system, you know, for that exact purpose. And, and it works pretty well for them, for the Democrats, Republicans. Absolutely. So let me combine these two ideas into a thesis and let me kind of walk you through a few weeks ago when I had this aha moment or an oh crap moment, depending on which way it ends up going. Right. Um, so we have a system completely rigged in favor of Republicans and Democrats. And meanwhile, in my opinion, the people who are most informed about politics, philosophy, logic, choose to identify more often as a third party in comparison to your average blue or red. So those are the two things that I think we can agree on to at least start the discussion. Okay. I think we're there. So I put these two ideas together and I watch every day of all of these people who identify as a third party, support the third party, running for third party office. These people are incredibly smart and they are very well principled. Now, whether I actually agree with them on everything or not is irrelevant. I just respect that people have very good ideas and are well principled to have those ideas because those are the types of people I think that are more reasonable and ultimately able to govern better. So, if we take these two together, you have a group of people that I think third party supporters, candidates are in general really great people for the political system. You put them up against a political system that's completely rigged. I mean, they're lucky if one or two percent of total partisan offices end up going any direction besides red or blue. Well, Mark, I put these ideas together and I really thought about it because it was really bothering me as I just watched these people toil endlessly and of course we got november coming up so the toil is coming the toil is yes the toil is ahead 
Yeah, there's going to be a lot of toil for the third parties, and I, I don't have a good feeling about it. And I started to think to myself, what what can I do, or what do I think? And I think that I'm coming to the conclusion, and don't cut off my mic, <laughs> but I think you're I'm up, coming You're to... breaking up, Theodore. I'm sorry. That's, that's, all, that's all for today, guys. Thank you so much for joining the, the show. No, go ahead. But... I think the conclusion that I'm coming to is that people would be much better served if we did not participate in third-party politics and everybody who's currently participating in third-party politics switches over, flips the coin, I don't care, switch over to red or blue and try to get in power. And the reason I make this argument is because, in my opinion, politics is about power, not about ideas. And third parties are doing a great job of spreading ideas that are very well-reasoned, logical, passionate, but there's no power. There's no change. The government is doing what it continues to do, regardless of what great ideas people in third parties are proposing. I think that uh, on the surface, that is almost definitely true, just in the terms of the actual success that you can point at of the parties themselves and what parties are actually in power, what parties are passing laws. I think by that judgment, the political power judgment, it's really hard to argue with you. So basically, if I look at everything together, that's the conclusion that I've come to is if we want to see people who have more nuanced political opinions and have actually thought about their, their political beliefs, we got to get these people out of the third parties and into mainstream politics. Now, whether they agree with mainstream politics 100%, nobody does. Even uh, diehard Republicans and Democrats can generally tell you a few issues that they disagree with in their, in their party's platform. So this is the big idea that I'm coming to you, Mark. I am coming to you to tell you that I believe that the country and the political process would be better if we were to eliminate third-party politics by the end of the third quarter, and that is my goal that I have set. The third quarter of this year. That's right. Two months. So, yeah, so this is really soon. <laughs> well, Mark, I'm, I'm all about big goals. You, you know, know what? I love I, it. My, I mean, besides the idea itself, I love the uh, I love the immediacy of the goal. I, I think I, I think that's really impressive because you do have to you, have, you do have to look at things in that way. You can't just look at oh a ten year project. Okay, so we'll start oh, we'll start a little email list and then we'll see, you know that's not how you really get things done. Yeah, and and I I think that that's a common criticism of crowdfunded government that I receive is I am very humble and I'm just happy to say hey listen I think it's a thousand year idea I don't think a lot is going to change over the next few months few years even few decades in terms of the whole big picture I think an idea like crowdfunded government takes a very long time to be experimented with perfected tested at the local level and eventually moved up to state and God for God willing the federal government. Um, so I sort of am having the same thought about this third party problem that I believe exists. And that's the reason why I kind of did the reverse on this idea, which was let's set an unrealistic goal so that when I say it, people are like, what the hell is he talking about? But maybe they'll listen. 
Right, right. So you got the thousand year plan and the right the F now plan. I can say, I, I can curse on this show, but I just chose not to. Uh, you, have, you have the short term plan, the long term plan. And so, are you, you, obviously, your ultimate goal here, like you said, the thousand year plan or however long it may take to get people to adopt this model of crowdfunded government, that's what you want to see, uh, you know, preferably in our lifetimes, I'm sure, but, you know, just as a, as a long term focus for how things can change in a, a way that brings more liberty to everybody, no matter what they want in life, no matter what they want to see from government. Uh, and I think that's an impressive goal. I think, just to step into the the people who are in the third parties right now, the people who are actively involved, I can look at them and say a good reason a lot of them are involved in the third parties is that they were already involved in the big parties. They were already involved in the Republican Party or in the Democratic Party, and they saw the flaws, as I kind of talked about earlier. They saw how corrupt that system was. They saw how hard it was for principled people to make any headway. They would see themselves shut down left and right. Uh, they would see political maneuvers pulled against them, and that's why they decided, you know, this isn't for me because the principles aren't here. The principles aren't in these parties. So I'm going to go somewhere else where I, I can actually be around people who actually have the same goals, who are not trying to screw me over. Now, of course, I've been involved in the Libertarian Party for a couple of years. I can say that it's not that rosy because uh, in some ways... A political party is a political party, and the Libertarian Party is not without its inner corruption. It's not without its political maneuverings, even just being to a couple conventions and even just being politicked a little bit. You know, when you're having a conversation with somebody and you realize, wait a minute, we are having a friendly conversation, but he's also talking to me to get my vote. And there's just a little bit of that ickiness that that is there. And that's probably going to be there in every party ever, because, again, like you said, parties are about power. Otherwise, why would they exist? Um, so what would you tell to people, though, that have already been in the system, that have been in the third that have been in the major two parties that have been Republicans and finally ditched the system or felt they couldn't they were, couldn't make any headway there and that's why they came to third parties or people that were Democrats uh, I know people that were you know big on the environment big on helping the poor they just realized that the policies of big government were actually doing the opposite of that so they actually became libertarians through that point of view what would you say to those people that I've already been there. They've already tried it. And they said, yeah, that, there was no way to go. There was no way for me to make any headway there, Theodore. There was no way for me to get anything done. And that's why I'm here in the third party now. So I can certainly understand and sympathize with the feeling of having an extreme political view that your party is not fully representing. And that's why you might want to uh, try to join together with people who are more like-minded. But what I would tell those people is you blew your only chance at power, essentially, from a statistical perspective. By leaving either the red team or the blue team, you have lost almost statistically all chance of making any difference. So even if you're making a very small difference as part of a caucus or a group in a Republican or Democratic Party, you are going to be making a much bigger difference in terms of power because you'll have the chance of getting at least somebody elected from a red or blue team almost every time. So it's just a matter of getting the right person in the running at that point. And if you compare it statistically, let's say you had four people running for Republican office and the Democrats didn't even contest it. And you might say, well, isn't it easier to just run as a third party and it'll be me versus one instead of me versus four others trying to win a primary? And right. I would also tell that person, no, at least you have a 20 percent chance of getting office um, with, again, with the numbers that, that I believe are out there. And I'm, you know, more than happy if somebody has the numbers because I looked for them a bit and there's some conflicting data out there. But why would you want a one or 2% chance of winning when you could have had a much bigger chance of actually getting into uh, a primary of a major party and winning it? 
Hey, kitty cats, I got to take a quick time out now to tell you about one of our listeners, one of our patrons over at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. His name is Brad Tracy, and he goes by the pseudonym The Liberty Theorist. You can find his writings over at his blog at medium.com slash at Liberty Theorist, where he discusses all the shady things the government has been up to and why libertarianism and individual rights are the only viable path towards keeping that much power out of the hands of government. He considers himself a Rothbardian, and he's a big fan of criminal justice and prison reform, just like you hear about each and every week on Felony Friday. So next time you're out there browsing the interwebs, when you've got through all your podcasts, I want to encourage you to give a little browse over to the Liberty Theorist. Again, that's medium.com slash at Liberty Theorist. You can also find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Liberty Theorist. Check it out, kids. Theodore, you mentioned a little bit earlier that, you know, third parties haven't really achieved any measurable success or, you know, any any political power to speak of, kind of citing the lack of, uh, you know, third parties that are actually in office. There are a number, but they're a number. You know, they're a number you can count. <laughs> they're, they're not a high, high number. They're certainly a very small percentage of uh, people in office. But I'm curious if you see any relevance in third parties. Um, for another purpose. Uh, many people, especially in the Libertarian Party, will credit the Libertarian Party for sort of shifting the Overton window, for forcing the major parties to talk about issues they might not normally be talking about, uh, for putting issues forward into the political narrative that weren't mainstream at the time, but have since become mainstream. And people will say that the Libertarian Party has paved the way by being the, on the forefront of those battles, whether it's gay marriage, uh, legalized drugs, police reform, the Libertarian Party has been there first. Uh, they're the ones leading the charge, and some would say that 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 by that showing that leadership by being there first, you actually are affecting the political system. You're just doing it in a way that's less measurable. That you're just doing it in a way that's influencing the way that people think overall, influencing the way that people what people demand of their politicians. When you're putting the ideas of legalized marijuana out there, it gets to the people, it gets to the politicians, and still does change the system overall. That is not necessarily my argument, but it's definitely one that some will make. So, what do you think of that? Yeah, so the problem that I have with the Overton window argument is that it's an immeasurable concept. Basically, there's no way that you could ever prove that because one political party had an idea, that therefore other political parties had to grapple with it. Because that would only, I mean, the only way that I could see you could prove that argument, that third parties move the Overton window, would be if they won office took power, made changes, and then red and blue had to play catch-up or lose major party status. And I don't see that. And so, to me, if you look at it from a scientific experiment, if you want to try to prove, because obviously social sciences are very hard in terms of experimentation, but thought experiments are, are a good idea occasionally, I would say you could not prove that just because third parties had an opinion about apples, And then Republicans and Democrats both agreed to make a change about their policy on apples. You could have the same situation if you had the third party talking about grapes. And then Republicans and Democrats all agreed to make a change in their uh, policy positions in regards to apples. So basically, you have a situation where it doesn't matter what fruit the third party is talking about if the change still happened in the two-party system. And I would also make the argument, if that one is a little too unclear or out of the box, 
that the best way to move an Overton window is to get on a debate stage and talk. And I think you might know exactly who I am referring to who did exactly that about a decade ago. I have a little bit of an idea. Um, Yeah, he actually was a little bit or almost an entire part of the influence uh, for launching this podcast. So I can say right there, uh, it's hard to argue with that. It wasn't, it certainly wasn't seeing Ron Paul um, on the debate stage in a libertarian party primary in 1988. Uh, that that didn't happen. I was eight years old, but I don't think even if I was older, it would have happened. Uh, it's because I saw him on television <laughs> next to other Republicans. And that is how he was able to get in front of people. Like you said, he wouldn't have been in front of people if he was just running as a libertarian. Uh, and, and that cultural shift, I suppose you can make the argument, if we're talking about shifting the Overton window, even if the Libertarian Party does shift the Overton window by its existence and by whatever influence it does have, by knocking on doors or wherever outreach that people within the party are, are constantly doing, uh, you could make the argument, and I guess I'll, I'll try to help make your argument for you now. I'm, I'm jumping both sides of the fence here. Uh, but you could definitely make the argument that if that is the case, those same people all shifting to a place with a bigger platform could have even more of an effect and shift that window even more. Yeah, you you got you you figure out exactly the direction that I'm coming from. Basically, what I'm envisioning in my mind and what I think would make a huge difference would be hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people who traditionally said, "Oh, you know what? I don't want to be involved with red or blue. They're both ridiculous." If all those people, or at least a significant number of them, immediately jumped in, started joining their their local uh, meetups, started attending their their, um, conventions and caucus events. Basically, the opportunities to discuss and eventually take candidacy. I mean, a surge of people who were, in my opinion, wasting their time in third-party politics and going after red or blue. And just like the Ron Paul example, you can be a libertarian and be a major party member because... Being a major party member means you have a certain plank, you follow everything on that plank, and outside of that, you certainly have the right to say, and as part of this plank, these are the things that I disagree with. But you know what? As a party member, occasionally, I'm going to vote to get along. Occasionally, I'm going to compromise in order to achieve power. And so that is the vision that I have. I have the vision of thousands, millions of people waking up and deciding, you know what? For the next election cycle, I want to give it a shot. I want to go, I think I like the flip a coin, right? If it's heads, go Republican. If it's tails, go Democrat. The differences are pretty negligible between the two major parties. If you look what they actually do when they're in power, rhetoric aside. So you would be in favor of kind of more of the uh, maybe the Rand Paul strategy, someone that most people agree, even if, if we might uh, disagree on an issue here or there. Most, most libertarians would say he's pretty principled at its core, uh, or even a, a, a Thomas Massey or someone like that. I would have said Justin Amash, but he actually just went the other way. So uh, we can't we can't lump him in that group. But um, to that end of, yes, he he generally is pretty good, like on almost every vote, almost every issue. Once in a while, he does something where it's obvious he's just playing politics because that's what that's what this is as well. And maybe to some extent, we have to accept that if we're going to play the political game and it's totally fine not to play that game, but if you're choosing to play it, then at least recognize it for what it is and see that it is a game and it is a power play to some extent. And you can be principled while still working within that game. And that's, I guess, what you're really trying to push forward is that the principled people, the most informed, the most knowledgeable, the most passionate, don't put all their energy into something that's not bearing fruit, not giving them the power that they need to actually make the change that they want to see. Yeah, and I'm just envisioning that if you took all of these thousands of people and and told them all, 
The best thing you can do is run for dog catcher, run for mayor, run for city council. No state politicians, no federal politicians for at least five years until we start to see a wave forming. And the reason why I'm optimistic is because I believe that politics is largely about power and money. And guess what would happen if a bunch of these new freedom Democrats or freedom Republicans, whatever they might choose to call themselves, or green uh, Democrats or green Republicans, if all of a sudden they started winning hundreds of offices across the country and all of a sudden the fundraising with their name on it to the party started ticking up, I, the, the mainstream, the, the establishment portion of the Republican and Democratic parties would be forced to listen and revise their planks, because that would be evidence that here are successful positions that might be a little bit different from the mainstream. But if you'll notice, a lot of these successful politicians who are now in power appear to have these types of beliefs that voters are resonating with. So money and power solves everything in politics. And that's kind of what I would like to see. I'd like to see thousands of people trying and dozens, hundreds of people succeeding. And let's see if their ideas are truly popular. They're finally going to have power and they're finally going to have a microphone while running for that power in a respectable forum. All right, Theodore, you've made the case. You've made your case for why we should be ending third parties and focusing all political activity within the within this two party system. Now, how are you going to actually see that happen? You set a very lofty goal, third quarter, just a couple months away. How are you actually going to go from this idea, spreading this idea? Obviously, jumping on Libertarian Podcast is a great way to start, to start talking to people that are all already actively involved in third-party movements or at least outside that Republican and Democratic uh, movement. But how are you going to actually move people, especially in this shorter time that, you've, that you want to accomplish things? What's your strategy? Well, I had an idea, which was over the next couple months, I believe that politicians who are members of third parties are going to be going pretty crazy trying to market their ideas to podcasts because so much of us don't even, there's so many of us don't even listen to um, anything besides, besides political podcasts. Like that's me. Like 90, 95% of what I listen to is political podcasts. I can't be alone out there. Right. Yeah, I, I, I forced myself to mix in some non-political stuff, but I definitely went through a phase for maybe three or four years where it's all I listen to. Yeah, I, I just I just love the idea that people independently and mostly without the the motive of big money, like in the mainstream media, uh, people are sharing their ideas and providing a forum for others to do the same. And that's where I see I think this year is going to be exceptional in terms of the number of third party politicians who are going to be trying to get some time on podcasts and get in the ears of voters so that they can start to spread their message to a more in a more effective medium, given how a lot of people consume their media now. I know a lot of people out there are going to hear this and think to themselves, like, all this is going to do is going to concentrate more power in this already corrupt system. Uh, and the system that we already agree is essentially two wings of the government at this point. It's, it's hard to dis, dis, uh, disassociate uh, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party from the government. They're essentially two wings of the same bird here. So I know many will say this is just really what, what you're advocating here is going to just entrench the power even further. And 
as many people have experienced by being in those parties. It'll just shuffle those voices in there and shut them down and keep them kind of at bay while the parties continue to grow and continue to sort of keep hold over the political system. What would you say to that concern that it's not going to actually see the change while at the same time giving up any kind of semblance of sort of principles that, that we were able to have by being involved in the third party system, by being involved in a libertarian party where you can't actually say what you believe. You can't actually have a fully uh, libertarian platform and not think that you're not going to be promoted and, and not, you know, not actually win a primary or you might only need to win over some delegates as opposed to winning a Republican primary where maybe saying crazy things like legalizing cocaine and machine guns isn't going to get you very far. Uh, I would say that power and money will fix everything for the equation that you're describing, because what you're what you're describing is only true if people fail to gain power and fundraise dollars. And in that case, if your political opinion is unable to win office and fundraise, well, it sounds like your opinion is not popular. And ultimately, whether it's for good or for worse, because I could certainly discuss the benefits or drawbacks of having a constitutional democratic republic, um, I would say that that's the goal. And if you achieve that goal, the parties will have to follow you. If there are hundreds or thousands of local office holders who are extremely popular, bringing in huge amounts of money, and what they're doing is kind of like, like you said, sort of the, the Rand Paul approach if you were a Republican. Basically, you have your principles, but you also understand how to play ball and get things done. Those are going to be, uh, it's going to be a force that the mainstream, the establishment, will not be able to ignore, because if they choose to do it, they will be losing and potentially, eventually, losing control of the parties completely. So you're planning to use uh, your powers of persuasion to try to just basically convince people of, of this plan. Is that, is that basically uh, what you're shooting for? Mark, my, my best idea is if I have politicians who are probably going to be peppering podcasts over the next couple months, leading up to November, all that I would ask anybody listening who has a podcast or has a favorite podcast and planning on having a third-party politician on, all that I would ask is a few minutes, five minutes with Theodore. Um, I have some very interesting questions, and I believe that the process of talking to politicians about this, because it's a very traditional question that they're asked, you know, sure. why are you running as a third party, right? They're, they're very used to answering that question. However, I have some interesting follow-ups to that question that I don't believe I've ever heard addressed by any third-party politician, and those are the questions in regards to the power, the money, the, um, the direction that things need to go in order to actually change. So that's the idea that I had. I thought the best way to convince people was a, uh, a blitz on um, podcasts. So basically, if... Anybody has a politician who would be willing to take questions for a few minutes from a skeptic of third parties, I would be happy to do so respectfully. And that was the best idea that I had, because what I'm envisioning, Mark, you know me, I'm always dreaming big, right? I'm envisioning a couple of these clips being very big memes in terms of I don't think that politicians, even if I prepared them and told them exactly what I, how I'm going to be asking the questions, I don't think a lot of them are actually ready to have this discussion besides the surface answer of, well, my beliefs were not represented well by the two major parties, so I went to the third, right? That's what they're used to saying. So I want to continue for about three, four, five minutes after that statement and really dig down and understand if they truly get 
what they're trying to do, which, Mark, I would argue is win power. Sure. I mean, many libertarians, especially even libertarians that run for office, will say, I'm not running to get into power. I don't want to take power. But you are, <laughs> you know, you are by by the action of running for that office. You may not want to do the same things with that power. You might want to do nothing with that power, but you're still running for the power to not do those things. Uh, and I think that's a, a first step we all have to admit that if we're in the political game, that is what you're doing. For No matter if you're going to do great with it or bad with it, that is what you're doing ultimately is trying to seek that power for whatever reason you're trying to seek it. Yeah, and I mean, if, if people really want to tell me with a straight face that they're running to change the world, but they're not running to win power, that is the million, that is the million view clip that I'm talking about, Mark. Like, that is where this idea goes absolutely viral as people really try to figure out who in the hell would waste their time with an idea instead of trying to make that idea a reality. Well, that's a fair point. Theodore, you make some compelling arguments. I will say I went into this without necessarily having a strong opinion on it. And uh, most of the objections I've raised, you've met them quite well. You've met them quite strongly. And uh, other than the idea that I just don't like Democrats and Republicans, it just feels icky. <laughs> it feels gross. And I am, you know, I, that's the way I look at it. Uh, but rationally speaking, I think you make some solid points. So I will let the listeners be the final judge of uh, how they want to uh, get involved or not with this. So if someone likes your idea and wants to help promote this idea, this idea of ending third parties uh, in the next two months or so, uh, how should they reach out to you? What's the best way to contact you? Well, the most important thing you can do is reach out to your favorite podcaster and see if they'd be willing to host me. And if you'd like to reach me directly, best way is uh, the blog, crowdfundedgovernment.com, or Twitter, at crowdfundedgov. But really quick, Mark, I made a change to Twitter over the past uh, month or so. Uh-huh. You made a change to Twitter? <laughs> or you're, you're opposed yes. to Twitter? <laughs> I, am, I am working on a new approach to Twitter, and I, I'd really be interested to hear your thoughts. All right, go for it. I don't believe a lot of political discussion on Twitter is genuine. I think a lot of it is straight-up trolling. And I believe that a lot of people are not actually reading what you write. They're ready with their next paragraph before you even finish your response. Do you ever get that feeling? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's very frustrating because when I started doing this about five years ago, I was genuine. I thought there were going to be a lot of people willing to actually have an intellectual dialogue about the benefits of taxation because so many people believe in it. Right. Yeah. Now, almost all of them believe in it, but don't, don't really want to have a conversation about it. That's right. And those are the ideas that you really need to question. Any idea that has those properties, always ask more questions. So the idea that I had was basically, I think in general, I might be done trying to argue my points on Twitter. Basically, it's been five years. I've gone on dozens of podcasts. I've talked to thousands of people on Twitter about my idea. And nobody Nobody, Mark, has brought up a point that has even made me question my philosophy. Right. Huh. Not even a one. And now I, I, can't, I can't say I've been influenced on Twitter one bit. I've been influenced in many ways in life, but Twitter isn't one of them. And, th and that's actually fine. So the, the final thing I'm saying, the big change that I want to make is I'm declaring victory. It's a fact. The sky is blue. The grass is green. And voluntary crowdfunding is better than involuntary taxation at the barrel of a gun. 
Well, I think that is a message that all libertarians, pretty much anyone, well, I don't want to say anyone who listens to this podcast, there might people, be people who are just a little politically curious, and I welcome you, and I'm glad you're here, uh, but that most people that listen to this podcast regularly will absolutely embrace and agree with. So uh, time will tell if they can embrace your full message of exiting the third-party system, but uh, we're going to test the waters. We're going to release this puppy and see what kind of response we get. So that, that's all we can do. Absolutely. So I greatly appreciate the opportunity to spread the message. And if you can do me a favor, anybody listening out there, please send me your bad memes. I'm trying to make Twitter more fun. We're, we're doing a victory party. So the best way that you can thank me as a, as a listener or a supporter is to take my beliefs, make bad memes out of them, and send them to me. Anytime you, have a, uh, anytime you see me in a discussion, just get in there and troll me with some bad memes. I'm trying to increase the fun. Uh, I'd like to also start responding to people with bad memes if I don't think that they're debating in good faith and just leave it at that. So the final change that I want to discuss, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun on Twitter, Mark. We won, all right? The, the battle for liberty has been won, all right? It's just a matter of time until everybody figures it out. So check me on Twitter, at CrowdfundedGov. Send me a bad meme bashing crowdfunding government and try to have some fun on there because a lot of people are not looking to be convinced. So just spread your idea and have fun. All right, may as well have fun. You got to have fun no matter what you're doing in life, whether it's uh, promoting the dissolution of third parties or what have you. You got to have fun. Doing it. I think we agree. <laughs> we agree on that one. Theodore, thank you so much for coming on the show. Keep up the great work. Keep on roaring. All right, my little Liberty Kitty Cats, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Theodore Quinoa. I love the pseudonym. I love the pseudonym quite a bit. And uh, I really find Theodore's arguments compelling. Let me just say that. I have always been somewhat of an atheist when it comes to political parties. I was really never involved in the Libertarian Party until around 2015-2016 when people in the party started reaching out to me, uh, started reaching out to us for interviews. Uh, So I've always been into the party since that time really because of the people I've met, uh, the activists that are really working hard uh, to bring more liberty into our lives. So in that aspect, I certainly respect what the individual members of the party have been doing. Uh, I also find, you know, some some coherency in Theodore's argument. So I think it's a, a compelling issue. At the end of the day, what actually gets us more liberty? What can we actually do to see more liberty in our lifetimes? And uh, I'm always open to the ideas. I have offered up a debate. I am lining up, hopefully, an opponent for Theodore. I don't want to uh, say it quite yet until it's 100% locked in stone. But this is a topic I do find fascinating, and it's something I'd like to hear debated a bit more. So stay tuned to that, because I'm going to make it happen one way or the other. The other things you got to stay tuned to, of course, are my other compatriots. My compadre is here on on Lions of Liberty, because it's not just me every single Monday bringing you interviews like the one you heard today, interviews and roundtable discussions with leaders in the libertarian movement. You've also got Brian McWilliams. This guy hits you smack upside the head every single Wednesday with his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land, while John Odie Odermatt wraps things up on Fridays with his incredibly powerful, incredibly hard-hitting, and sometimes quite funny, if you listen to last week's episode uh, discussing the uh, the Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein document releases where he had on Howie and Rico, part of my normal Conspiracy Corner crew. Now, what is Conspiracy Corner, you ask? Well, if you're a member of the Lions of Liberty Pride, you would already know that's an extremely entertaining bonus show we do where we dive into a bunch of different conspiracies. You can only hear that by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. There is a tier and a level for everybody for as little as $2. You can hop in there 
and just get access to our live streams, get access to the Facebook group. $5 and up gets you access to all our bonus audio content, and the perks just rise and rise from there. We have free t-shirts, free jackets, free hats, free posters. Uh, at 15 up and up a month, you get access to Howie Snowden's massive daily curated Liberty News links list. At 25 a month, the Mufasa level, you get to join us for a monthly Zoom call. Really get to influence the hosts, influence us, help us shape the direction of the show. And of course, the Nittany level, you'll be hearing another one of those soon. 50 bucks a month, you get to produce one show. Uh, you get to get in the line. And you'll hear another one of those later this month. We have a really interesting movie we're going to be checking out. The movie reviews seem to be popular. We just did Akira uh, very recently. So that is a trend that may be continuing. It's all based on what our patrons want. Uh, and you really, really can't get enough value out of the pride. Whatever you put in, you're going to get way more back. I guarantee that. So head over to patreon.com slash Liberty. You can also do one-time donations at paypal.me slash Liberty, And you can donate through all sorts of various cryptocurrencies by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash donate. I think that's all I got to promote to you, except I don't want to forget, we just funded another great project. Thanks to our friends at DonorSea who are helping people affected by the lockdowns all over the world, particularly in the third world. 10% of our Patreon earnings is going to help DonorSea. So please do check out their projects at DonorSea.com slash coronavirus. Just a buck or two goes a really long way to helping people that are being so, so affected by these economic lockdowns around the world. And of course, if you join the Patreon, if you join the Pride, 10% of that money is going to go to help that same cause. So either way, please do check out the work our fine friends at DonorSea are doing. And until next week, my friends, live long and live free.